Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water and Water Life Science. Oh, no, this is not a boring show. We bring in people from all over the world, scientists and study. It's almost like you're eavesdropping in on a laboratory of learning. What we can teach you, I've been in, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and I've been doing research for over 35 years. And I started studying 35 years ago the behavior of our health and uh, what is happening there that maybe we've overlooked. And I did find that we were overlooking something, that the body is living with water on the planet Earth the way Earth is living with all life and water. Earth is in relationship with all life because it was the beginning of all time of Earth's origination. It began with life in the water. The water is our greatest influence on the planet. Without it, there would be no time left to call it eternity of time. Water gives you the time to have eternity. You are water. Your body... Now, we're going to teach you something today to remind you. And I want to tell you, I've been talking to doctors all over the world, scientists, Nobel Prize winners, more, physicians, leaders. You need to be reminded. We all do. You'll say, well, I know that. <clears throat> but did you remember all of it? You've got to learn that your body is made up of water and you would not have been given birth in that womb after all those months until there was a certain percentage of water per organ to bring you to live with your birth. Have you ever stopped to think about how what a miracle that is? Earth did it with the planet Earth. It came to life, and all that's been created and unseen and seen is from the water, all life, every bit of it. We live with the water vapor in the atmosphere like a battery. All these inventions are created from water, is the stem of it all. Without water, you couldn't have those inventions. It invented you. Your life depends upon a percentage of water per organ. Your lungs are 75 to 80 percent water. Your liver, 70 to 75 percent. Skin, 70 to 75 percent. Blood, 50 percent. Teeth. Have you ever stopped to think your teeth? Eight to ten percent. Bones. 
Yeah, your bones, 20 to 25%. Kidneys, 80 to 85. Muscles, 70 to 75. Your brain, 80 to 85. And did you know that the surface of your eye is 99% water? living with the atmospheric water vapor, every time that eyelid opens at the beginning of birth, it begins, that eye is having an evaporation. Your body is evaporating the moment you were born. You came out to live in the atmosphere. The atmosphere is life's way on this planet to keep you alive with water vapor to absorb into the body with your choice of life. You're evaporating. And the reason they say dehydration concern is only because you're over-evaporating in different parts of the body. Yes, you've got to drink no less than eight to ten glasses of water a day. And I've had so many people say, well, I don't like water. I just, I drink tea and coffee and juices and all these other things. I don't care for what. You better learn to make it your best friend. You've got to. That's your life. And if you happen to have a symptom, try to build up on the water. If you find yourself trying to cure something and work with symptoms of of ailments, Challenges, drink lots of water to help sustain it. If the doctor says you're you're going to put you on some medication, you better drink a lot of water for the medication to work. I have no doubt for a second what's happened on this planet, Earth, is we forgot about health education. It's vital. Now we're going through, all of us, with the education about viruses. They're very contagious. Here in the United States, we had a flu virus, a regular American, let's call it flu virus, that was affecting thousands of people. And people dying that had certain challenges to their health already. Or they could be a baby. They could be a pregnant mother. The ones probably most effective are going to maybe be our older people in the nursing homes. What's the health education to individuals to live in a nursing home together? In a retirement home be in a hospital with everybody. They have to have health education reminders at all times of what we need to be reminded of. We're learning to drink a lot of water. It's vital. And I've been talking to the physicians worldwide, and they all agree they've got to start reminding people more. 
about that, drinking water. Don't take it for granted. We're learning your breathing is so important to your what you're trying to do. Keep up that breathing with the atmosphere. Breath in and push out breath. We learned that from Dr. Chow. How to breathe in and let it come out. Do no less than 10 a day and more. You're vital to, it's very important, your nutrition habits. It's going to be the next medicine to assist the medicine. Your choice is there. You need to learn what you do for you personally. Don't depend upon what somebody else is doing. What are you going to do for yourself? Moderate exercise and sleep. We're dealing now with this virus called Corona. We all need to learn more about it. You need that good education and keep yourself reminded. Drink a lot of water, breathe, and keep your hands very clean. Make your sanitizer your buddy. Wherever you go, teach your children. Get the family involved. But don't just do it during viruses. Do it all the time. Keep your hands clean. And remember your hands are a carrier around the mouth, the nose, the eyes, and especially the eyes. The eyes in the womb are connected to the brain at the same moment. And the surface of the eye is 99% water evaporating every day. It's subjected to, because the eyelid is open, you don't have skin over the eye all day. It's subjected to your hands and viruses. It could be somebody else isn't washing their hands. So remember that. Keep reminding yourself. But don't just do it now. Do it forever. It's very important to you. And to the Health Olympics, I've been calling it for everyone worldwide to learn how to be better at health education. We do need to take it more serious. Physicians, scientists, different ones need better health. Those insurance companies need to add to that. Better health education. That will assist everybody to help learn how they can be healthier and be healthier around other people. Today we have an exciting guest. I could, I could hardly wait to get Andrew on again. Andrew Sherman is the author of a, an unbelievable book. And I'll get him to tell you, but he, he specializes in teaching us in America intellectual property values. I was taught that many years ago when I started my company. And I knew that a lot of people are not understanding intellectual property values. We've been listening to President Trump talk about intellectual property values. And I've watched people go kind of like, duh, on the streets of America, but they don't realize those intellectual property values are very important 
to the economy of your country, your kitchen table. And as those companies develop new companies, new businesses, new inventions, new technology, and develop it and grow, those intellectual property values that you learn in that secret sauce to compete with the rest of the world. The rest of the world wants to compete with everybody else in the world and other countries. All the countries compete, like the Super Bowl. The United States is competing for their economy, their kitchen table, wherever it may be. I don't care if you make $200 a month That's a kitchen table. Are you doing billions? There's kitchen tables. And those those economic conditions all depend upon the economy of each and every country to get serious about their own people, their lifestyle, and compete like the Super Bowl. And you're going to learn a lot more from... Andrew today, how the world's its leading companies who have capitalized on intellectual property and assets as patents and trademarks and customer information and software tools and databases and business models and homegrown processes of employee and expenses and algorithm, and we could go on and on, that secret marketing sauce that you've learned how to be like the Super Bowl, like the quarterback, toss the ball and have people catch it, and you're catching it to develop your economy for the United States and whatever country you're living in. We're going to listen to our sponsor first, and we'll come over to Andrew Sherman in a moment. We're listening to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. The surface of your eye is 99% water. To supplement that evaporation of dry eye, it's dry eye from birth. It causes eventually a vision and complaints to where people begin to wear glasses. But the problem is, is dry eye is causing blindness too. Procedures out there are causing dry eye. Nature's Tears Eye Mist has patents all over the world and is a process of just supplementing the eyes with a 100% tissue culture grade of water, all pH balanced, not concocted, not formulated, all perfectly natural and just a mist. So simple. We will listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Andrew Sherman. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Andrew, are you with us? Yes, it's great to be back. It's been a while. I've missed you. Well, <laughs> thank you for saying that. That is well, wonderful. Thank you for the wonderful when I had met you. Me before the break. Thank you. From you, I'll take that as a compliment. Trust me. I want you to know that I bought 12 of your books after our radio show when we did it before and handed them out. And I was was able to retire as a result of that. All the royalties on those 12 (laughs) books set me into the financial whirlwind. It was just incredible. I was shocked how many people out there didn't understand intellectual property, Andrew. I was well, shocked. Well, you know, it's like you said before the break. It's bigger than just intellectual property. It's, it's intellectual capital. It's intellectual assets. It's intangible assets. Intellectual property, as your listeners may know, is a technical term that refers to the four, possibly five boxes of, of intangible assets that the law formally protects. But as you were right. saying before the break, there's so much more than that. You know, there's systems and relationships and channels and brand loyalty and employee engagement and other intangible assets that don't fit squarely within one of the four or five boxes, depending on whether you're counting trade dress or not, that are still the most valuable assets that are nowhere on the balance sheet. And companies need to wrap their minds around that or they're going to be left into the dark ages. That's exactly what you taught us on the last show. And that now and since that show, um, President Trump talking intellectual property values a lot. People were going, what is he uh, what is he talking about? What does that mean? Uh, They're stealing from us. Well, well, people me, don't realize it's like the Super Bowl. We're all in the business from our countries, our cities, our towns, our, our, our states. We're in there for the kitchen table. We're in there for the economy. And we've got to learn every country should be doing the same thing. There would be no wars if people kept their mind on 
economy and technology and developing a successful intellectual property business to compete. Well, that's what we're giving me a lot. You gave me a lot to react to. Um, Let me jump in on a couple (laughs) of things. I mean, one, yeah, what, what the president and his team are trying to do with China, but not just China, in other trade agreements and in positioning the U.S. around the world, is basically saying, look, we are hands down the most innovative country in the world, but we are not doing a good enough job protecting that innovation. We are not doing a good enough job uh, leveraging that innovation into revenue streams, and we're not doing a good enough job from a policy perspective penalizing other countries who don't take our innovation and intellectual property seriously. And so, you know, how do we do that without completing, completely shutting down uh, the trade doors, because we need international trade to be robust, but we need countries to respect this new, you know, commodity of asset, this new currency of asset uh, that's created, because as we, as I'll share with your listeners in a few minutes, I mean, these intellectual properties, these intangible assets are far more valuable than cash and need to be treated as valuable as you would that's treat right. cash or gold or any other of the world's most important resources. And make it confidential. Confidential and respectful so that there are tools. Respectful and protective, yes. Yeah. I mean, let's take the issue of brands. Uh, Brands throughout Korea, China, multiple countries in Asia uh, are regularly imitated. Um, And that extends into parts of Latin America, the Middle East, these brands are some of the company's most valuable assets, and they are imitated and duplicated without consent, without consent, without What you need to say, pirated, pirated. Yeah, pirated is uh, an equally compelling verb. Um, all right. of those things. And, the, you know, you think about some of the most valuable companies in the world, from the Googles to the Microsofts to you name it, their brands are the most valuable brands that they have, the most valuable assets that they have. Um, And if they allow their brands to be diluted or pirated, it it affects billions of dollars of market cap. It affects economic development, tax base, people's jobs, you name it. Um, Down into the kitchen tables. I call it the kitchen table. I don't care what kitchen table it is. It could be a $200 kitchen table or it could be a billionaire's kitchen table everybody's table is affected if people don't take serious developing their technology, their inventions, their entrepreneurs from scratch businesses to develop a future of competition and being confidential with developing intellectual property. Something you should tell them too. You didn't invent this. This country put it in the constitution way back. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. Our founding fathers gave us a gift. They gave us a gift nearly 300 years ago that exactly. you know we're not taking advantage of. Um, we're one of the few countries in the world, if not the only country in the world, that has intellectual property laws built into its constitution. Um, they exactly. obviously thought that, that innovation and entrepreneurship and invention were important. We had many inventors and entrepreneurs that signed the constitution. And it's our civic duty right. to uh, develop these intellectual properties and take advantage of the rights that our, our founding fathers gave to us. 
Now, Andrew, now that we've come into this beginning of this laboratory education today with you and I, tell them about your background so they can understand where you came from to get to this, to really get into why you're taking this serious. Yeah, and I've got two new developments I want to share with you since our last show. So, um, first of all, my background uh, is 33 years as a transactional lawyer. Um, when I got out of law school, most of the assets that I dealt with were tangible assets. So businesses were being bought and sold and investments being made in companies that had inventory and plant and equipment and real estate and pretty traditional assets. But what I noticed over the course of my practice is that those transactions started shifting. And all of a sudden, what was really being purchased were brands and channels and processes and systems. And then I started doing a lot of work in the franchising area where I saw companies grow from little, you know, corner side stores to multi-billion dollar enterprises by licensing their brands and systems and processes and protocols. And I've been, you know, very focused on this seismic shift in our economy, uh, on the ability to capture these intangible assets and drive them uh, into revenue streams and new opportunities. And I've written a bunch of books about it, including the book uh, that we talked about last time, which was uh, Harvesting Intangible Assets, uh, where basically mm-hmm. I talk about the development and ideation of intellectual property in an agrarian metaphor. Um, and I think one of the things you loved so much uh, last time we talked, since it was water-related, and we all know your expertise in that field is, you know, many CEOs are putting out fires with a fire hose when they need to be spending their time irrigating their field uh, with a very different kind of hose. And as soon as CEOs realize that they're in the job of irrigation and not firefighting, um, our GDP will start growing at 4 to 5% every year, I promise you. But right now, we're in one big firefighting mindset, and that's not the best use of our global water resources. Well, I've studied that after the show, and I went out and I studied where the United States put it in their constitution. Next thing we knew, uh, Switzerland decided they wanted to do it. Then the United Nations decided in the 60s they wanted to get behind protection. The United States, as it came along... My brother was an MBA from Horton Economist with the conference board, Ron Cowan. Ron and his friends were teaching me when I started my research center and company that the golden parachutes, we'll call them, and he was a golden parachute, would have five-year contracts, and they would forget about the intellectual property values. They'd want those commissions, those sales, and they went at all expense of the American companies with those five-year contracts to develop commission and and bonuses and income on sales rather than protecting the IP or developing bigger IP values. They got caught up in that. And let me add two more things uh, that we need to talk about since our last show together. Point one is the advent of the activist shareholder. You know, when we first got on the air together, this was something that companies ought to do, uh, but it wasn't something that companies felt like they have to do. Well, the activist shareholder, I mean, you saw it even just today with Twitter 
Activist shareholders have come in, and they're saying to Twitter, how come you're not growing fast enough? How come your market cap is not with your peers and other social media sites? I mean, Twitter is trading in the 30s, and Facebook's trading in the 200s, and what's going on with that? And activist shareholders are expecting their leaders to be irrigators of intellectual property. They're expecting their leaders to drive enterprise value. We in our 401k accounts, you know, you and I, I think, are both north of 50. You know, we are counting on our retirement uh, for the stocks that we own in our retirement uh, for companies to drive enterprise value. So, you know, understanding your intangible assets and making sure that you create revenues from them is no longer some optional, casual, get to it when you feel like it type of event. I mean, it's become pretty critical for companies to continue to, to, to drive enterprise value and market capitalization. So that's right. point one. Taking um, a, yeah, please okay, react to that before I get to point two. Okay. Okay, then uh, I started to say what happens with these uh, CEOs and chairmen, those boards, those chairmen and those board of directors, they have forgotten to sit there and discuss IP. Yes. Values to compete and stay ahead of the competition like the Super Bowl. I call it, my book will probably be called The Silent Mist, The Quarterback. Somebody said, why did you call it the quarterback? I said, I watched Tom Brady play a game. The team wins if he tosses the ball and they catch it. If he has to carry it all the time, it's rough. Yeah, he's not the best runner, but (laughs) exactly. Every company has to realize that the quarterback needs a team players to stay on the confidentiality of the play, be able to help uh, catch the ball, and carry that IP constantly to uh, values. Never get satisfied, Andrew, with the values, ever. It's 100% right. And, And the other thing about that point is if you looked at the average agenda of America's board of directors all over the country, big companies, small companies, public, private, you know, I promise you there's no more than 2%, maybe 5% of all of those board agendas that have anything close to what you and I are talking about. Um, It's all about, you know, risk mitigation and crisis management and director compensation and executive compensation. And there is nowhere on the agenda you know, harvesting intangible assets or driving enterprise value through opportunities and, and using assets that already have been developed and exist into new there revenue streams. Yeah. It, it, just, it, it just never gets talked about. It's, it's, the, no. it's the strategically, environmentally, you know, think about it. You know, why would you not recycle an intangible asset that can be recycled instead of just throwing it away? It's, it's the right exactly. thing to do. And don't get so carried away with merging with company, with products and companies you have nothing in common with just to be investing to try to increase sales. Exactly. So let me um, did, did, get to did one I, other. Now, number, you've got number two. What's your okay, number, number two? Okay, number two. All right. So since we last were on the air together, I wrote a book called The Crisis of Disengagement. And I want you to take a look at it. You don't have to buy 12 unless you want to. But um, I want you to take a look at it because 
what I have figured out is that that's the third leg of the three-legged stool. The first book uh, around this that I wrote was called Essays on Governance, which talks about the board's complacency and concern for their complacency when it comes to this issue. Then I wrote Harvesting Intangible Assets, designing, uh, which was designed to teach the C-suite on how to best leverage their intangible assets. But I finally figured out that I was missing the third piece. And the third piece was a culture of innovation. How do companies build a true culture of innovation? And how does that impact their productivity and intellectual property creation and ideation? And what I figured, what I learned when I got deeper into my research is that the Gallup study on the state of the American workplace showed levels of employee disengagement that knocked me out of my chair. I mean, literally threw me to the floor. That's how violently I reacted to the Gallup studies. And I felt compelled to write a book about it, even though I have no HR background whatsoever. Um, so Crisis of Disengagement is designed to finish the triage because what that book is trying to tell leaders and boards is that if your people are disengaged, you can talk about innovation and you can talk about IP creation all day long until you're blue in the face. But no one, and I mean no one, is in bed at night at 2 a.m. tossing and turning about ways to incrementally improve or innovate around their company's products or services if they're highly disengaged. If they're tossing and turning in bed at night at 2 a.m., it's because they're job searching. We're going to take a break, and you're going to come back and tell us about that uh, number three. I think that's something that all companies all the way down to the lemonade stand need to hear. Don't go anywhere, Andrew. We'll be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, but just a mist. We're in China, and those of you that are listening in China can buy Nature's Tears Eye Mist, go to your website, and alleviate the problems of dry eye globally. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, 100% tissue culture grade of water for dry eye sighting. It works. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be back with Andrew Sherman. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Andrew, you were educating us about what's going out there in our business world of uh, that number three you talked about. People weren't realizing You've got to communicate with your everyone that is going to carry the ball. Did I explain that okay? The bottom line, exactly. The bottom line is that most innovation takes place on an incremental level by the average employee in your company. It's not always the PhD, <laughs> scientist, physicist, you know, that's being paid all kinds of money to innovate. Sometimes the best ideas are at the middle and even lower levels of your company but only if people are interested in what the company does, only if they're engaged and aligned with the values of the company. No one wants to think of ways to make my job better if they hate their job or hate you as a leader. Um, And what the Gallup study taught me is that there is a much higher level of disengagement among our U.S. workforce than I ever, ever imagined. I mean, you can see it Mm -hmm. in customer service. You can see it in interacting with with your people But uh, according to the Gallup study, which was updated as recently as last year, 51% of the U.S. workforce are disengaged, and another 20% on top of the 51% describe themselves, not some leader evaluating them, describe themselves as highly disengaged. So that means one out of five Mm -hmm. people in your company, if you're listening today, one out of five people hate their job hate the company, don't align with the company's values, and sure as heck aren't up at night thinking of ways to make your company better. Right. Do you remember the old days when they would turn to their employees and they become part of their invention, like the world Mars candy bar was founded by um, one of their employees, the postage, um, what's that, the postum. Was it 3M and the Postum? One of their yeah, employees the came up the, with that Postum. Exactly. And, and uh, the Big Mac was invented by a franchisee of McDonald's from the Pittsburgh area who just recently passed away, a very wealthy man oh, from the world he was yeah. getting. The old so, days, they so, loved to hear what people had to say. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, there is a very important issue, this issue of disengagement. It has gotten so high I even testified before Congress on the impact of the combination of the crisis of disengagement and the lack of our harvesting intangible assets. I gave congressional testimony on the impact on the GDP that these two things are having. And Can I you know, ask it, you when you did that, did you, they just sit there and uh, <laughs> uh, what do you say? What are you talking they about? Certainly, <laughs> they certainly put on some C-SPAN faces of interest. <laughs> But, but oh, okay. how much I really got through, I don't know. And, and another thing that's frustrating yeah. me, Sharon, is, if, you know, I've watched eight debates now from start to finish, and I've not heard the, the issues of 
innovation, intrapreneurship, uh, intellectual property right. come up maybe once, but not even sure if I've heard it right. once. But it certainly hasn't been in the place where it needs to be. Yeah, I didn't hear it because that's one of my favorite subjects. When I started this company, Andrew, way back in time, coming from a tiny little town in southern Oregon, Grant Pass, 30,000 people at the time, I had to go out to the world and do what I did. And what I did, I talked technology. I, I was fortunate. I had a brother. Believe it or not, he graduated with an MBA, but he became an expert at human resources for the huge corporations like Honeywell. He headed that. He went over to other corporations, headed their human resources, showing them that the broom sweeper can be just as vital to your business as the people at the top. Maybe more so. Maybe more so. Exactly. exactly. Certainly from an innovation perspective, look at what the broom sweeper sees at the end of the day. You know, they see exactly. what's going on. They see where the dust is accumulating, you know, the metaphor uh, that, that applies to innovation. That broom sweeper may have a better perspective on what's going on inside that exactly. company than anybody. But you'll never know because he's if connected. you don't interact. He's connected. He yep. or she are connected. Now, I'll never forget, and I'll, t- I'll share this with you. Uh, here I am. I'm into water, and I was studying water for a long time. And I decided to launch the high-end cosmetic store department with the first American 100% unformulated trade secret water in a mister for the cosmetic field to learn technology, not glamour, not beauty thinking, technology. So I went out and developed, I got every single story I wanted, Andrew. And everybody was really shocked. I came from tiny little nowhere to do this. Well, on the floor with my personal appearances, I would talk technology. And the cosmetic companies loved it because without the moisture and the skin, everything else, is not making sense. And they like what I was doing. Next thing I knew, I got an invitation to speak at Wall Street, New York Men's Athletic Club, and more. Right. Penn Club, Yale. Why? Technology in water. Handheld, portable device, and I talk IP. I even write my business plans thinking IP planning and, and take it like a formula all the way. And Ron and his friends, when I, he got, he put on a dinner for me in New Canaan, Connecticut with all his friends that he had out there to come in and their wives and meet me and I could demonstrate and talk the way I talked. One of them headed IBM and Bob said, Sharon, I can see it now. A mister by every computer someday. Another one was the Lauder family's head attorney, Ralph. Ralph said, my gosh, Sharon, this is exciting. You're building a technology in the cosmetic field that is going to go places because you're talking technology. Over at Wall Street, when I was all done, Andrew, they said at the time to the fellow who took me, had just retired as a CEO of 
one of the top companies on the planet. And they turned to Arnie and said, Arnie, when do you think she'll take this to Wall Street? He said, she won't until she thinks she's ready. And that meant for me, Andrew, developing the intellectual property values for something that's never had comparison. Then they came along and asked me to study the organ of the eye and its evaporation. I came up with Nature Stairs Eye Mist, and the whole country got behind me and universities to get that product launched because of the problems of dry eye and blindness and vision impairment. Now, all the way through, Andrew, I've thought IP. It drives a small-town employees crazy. It's certain people in a small state. They were thinking, IP? Why aren't you pushing those sales harder? Well, you push them when you think you've got the formula to push them. If you don't, you could lose your bit. You could lose the brand. Yeah, well, not too far off not the careful. road. A little company you may have heard of called Microsoft uh, bought yeah. uh, LinkedIn for twenty-six billion dollars, and I can tell you that LinkedIn very much focused on their IP and not so much on their revenues, and they managed to sell to Microsoft, who's pretty smart, for $26 billion. So I am I ask, so glad you told us that Which is more important, building your yeah. IP up or a couple extra dollars of revenue or profit? Um, you know, more sales, and more. sales come with, yeah, right. Um, and you got to One last thing about your brother. I call it the secret sauce. Yeah, one, one last thing about your brother, you know, I did a speech uh, a year or two ago for SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management, uh, at their annual conference, and the HR professionals are not being invited into the innovation discussion the way they should. Um, You know, people invent things, not machines, and it's a people issue, and a lot of companies have the wrong rewards and incentives that cause disengagement that cause people mm-hmm. not to innovate, to cause people not to want to innovate. And I mm-hmm. wish, I hope you'll buy a, 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 a book or two for your brother and his friends because uh, I wish that the HR professionals were treated more like uh, success factors in innovation and less like, you know, I-9 administrators and making sure that we all have our our W-2 forms spelled out properly because well, he, they can I play a big role, but only if they're empowered. Yeah, he passed away uh, oh. about 14 years ago with a stem cell transplant that went bad at Stanford. And so he'd been in Vietnam and was affected by Orange, Agent Orange, but he was so respected by Wall Street because of HR. And he was on the, with the board, uh, the conference board because of HR. And even though he had an MBA, but well-known and absolutely was a master to teach me. And as long as he was alive, Andrew, I listened to him. And that way he would teach me about, and I found that more exciting to develop an IP company forever, never get out of that, forever to be a research center to study the technology of evaporation of water. Nobody does it. And I found myself competitive. And I found myself with what I did with Nature's Tears I Missed, competitive. And I welcome anybody to try to compete. Let them come on. Let's see how well I prepared for this. Uh, well, I but fo- back I to your, what you're, 
I, I focused on your, your brother, may he rest in peace and thank you for his service for the HR professionals that may be listening that can follow in his footsteps. Yeah. He's clearly, right. he was the exception, not the rule. We don't have enough CHROs at the strategy table right. talking about things and, and we need to, if we're going to really get the crisis of disengagement solved. And if we get the crisis of disengagement solved, we will naturally have an uptick in innovation and intrapreneurship and the more active harvesting of intangible assets because people will be engaged in their jobs. And we're not helping with this divisive society that we're living in. That's just causing more disengagement and more dysfunctionality. Right, And, and more risks. Yep, exactly. A lot more risks. Have you noticed? And deep in debt. More risks, and then they kept getting deeper in debt. It's almost like they brag about the debt. Yeah, I... I used to be in the old days, they talked about profit and wanting to be debt-free. Exactly. So I, I personally blame that on not uh, taking serious their IP values. And that secret sauce, that confidentiality stuff is... Like I would say, uh, the quarterback, you got to keep your maneuvers uh, competitive. You've got to go in kind of like they did in the Super Bowl, the last one, and the guy was maneuvering around. And I went in, Andrew, and I wanted to figure out this quarterback. How did he do this? Because he became, it was like he was invented. Well, they said he and the coach would go into the coach's office, I think for like a year before this, they got qualified for the Super Bowl, and they'd come up with these maneuver, these different plays they could maneuver around, let's call it IP values. And they learned how with the other team did one thing, they could figure out how to go around that and figure it out and watch how they played. If you ever watch some of the best teams, they may not play their best the first quarter, maybe even the second. But once they get into that, uh, uh, in between the halftime, they come back out and they're going, God, did they come on? Well, business is that way too, I believe. You've got to be competitive. You've got to think about your values and, and be prepared for anybody who wants to compete. It's fair. It's square. Everybody should be in the arena and compete. That's part of your kitchen table. But now with your latest things, uh, oh, I wanted to ask you today, have you heard of the National Lemonade Stand organization? Yes, I have. I'm very familiar with it. I, I could not believe it. Last week, all I could think about, because I always say... Andrew, I could turn a lemonade stand into IP values. And I'm wondering, do you have any influence to go into that group and say that's also something that each of those lemonade stands that are competing across the schools in the United States should stop and think about how to develop a business plan with IP to compete with the the other lemonade stands? Yeah, it, I, I probably can reach out to them. I think the, the bigger point that I take away from the Lemonade Stand movement and Alex's uh, 
you know, initiatives is getting our young people to, to understand these issues. If we can uh-huh. get the, right. the millennials and the Gen Zs and the kids in school trained on the importance of intangible assets and uh-huh. IP now, um, our right. country has a very bright future ahead. And whether it's junior achievement, NFTE, the Lemonade Stand movement, I mean, there's a lot of youth entrepreneurship and business education, and we need to get these these kids thinking about, you know, what are, in an information age, what are the assets of 2020, 2030, 2040, what things will drive enterprise value? To invent, be entrepreneurs, invent, but do it with thinking how to develop the intellectual property values, like you're a scientist developing your business world there, your business plan, and your developments. Well, today uh, I enjoyed every minute. And by the way, how long has that Lemonade Scan organization been there? I think they're about at least 10 years old. Um, there's a whole story okay. behind it. Uh, I would urge people to check out, mm-hmm. you know, their website. I think it's easily findable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's all commit, you know, those of us that are baby boomers and business leaders and listening uh, in on, on Sharon's great show, let's all commit to uh, making sure this next generation of business leadership and our nation's youth understand the importance of all the issues that we've talked about uh, today. Now, what's your latest book before we go? Uh, the latest one is the Crisis of Disengagement book, and um, okay. it's available okay. on Amazon. I'd urge people to check it all out. Right. Think of it as this triangulation of governance, uh, innovation, mm-hmm. and culture. And if we can get governance, mm-hmm. innovation, and culture right, we're, we're, we're going to be doing just fine. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. I know how busy you are, and I could hardly wait to be on with you today. Well, you have a nice too. day. Have, you too. Thanks I wish for you well the great with your work book. And be well. God bless all right, you. Th- thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, I enjoyed every minute of that. I could hardly wait, audience, to do this today. Um, The technology of water is nature, but it is a technology of what can be. And I believe that we've got to take very serious of what's going on all over the world and get better health education, but you need technology education. What is that all about? And that intellectual property value to develop technology is for the water of the future is wide open to everyone to get in it and enjoy what you can do to invent to, for this world to have time for eternity is the water. I want to thank you for listening. Put a child's heart in your hands and ne- always know there's no such thing as a child that is imperfect. Thank you for listening and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.